Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, this is Levin from The Mitch, and uh, we recorded earlier today with Lee Tran Lam, Mitch and I. Hey, Mitch. What's up, bro? Um, and uh, it's Monday when we're recording, and on the way home from uh, recording the episode, we got the horrible news that our friend Jeremy Strode had passed away. And, uh, like, obviously, we we... We were, we were close with Jeremy. We were huge fans of, of him and his cooking. Um, Mitch worked, had, had the opportunity to work with him many times, and we'll be definitely focusing, I guess, you know, a, a proper a proper episode dedication to him in the future. But we thought, you know, while while this news was fresh, uh, we wanted to say a few words to put at the beginning of this episode. So, um, Mitch, tell me about Jeremy. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's really tragic and and devastating and. You know, my heart and my love goes out to Jane and his kids and all his family. But, you know, Jeremy was someone, is someone that the industry as a whole loves. You know, as a young chef, he was always someone that we heard about, you know, like as one of the OGs, you know, in Melbourne and in Sydney and someone that's responsible for inspiring so many of my generation. And I've spoken to a lot of a lot of the industry today, this afternoon, after hearing the news, and all anyone can say is how amazing he was, and you know his food and his reputation speaks for itself. But Jeremy was someone that always had time for you, and always showed that he cared. When, even when he didn't have to, you know, he was always so proud of what you were doing and what you were achieving. And you could see how happy that made him as well. And he always had time for you, always had advice, was always super appreciative of the respect and admiration and love that you showed to him. You know, we called him the truth and that was, that summed straighty up, you know, he was the truth. His cooking was the truth. His personality was the truth. And, you know, he embodied some of the best things about the industry. And, you know, for a chef of that caliber to be friends with all of us young guys and to just feel like part of the family is like a pretty amazing thing. It sort of shows how humble he was and how much he loved the industry and, you know, it's a, it's a big loss for the industry as a whole. But he was so know, yeah. He was so generous with his with his time. You know, if you if if he was cooking while you were eating in his restaurant, he'd he'd come and he'd come and talk to you. He'd introduce himself to everyone you were with, and was just always yeah. so outgoing and friendly. And you know, I, I saw how much you guys look up look up to him. Yeah. And and like you know, I remember you know he's, he's he was one of like the the first guests we had on on the Mitch and and uh, it's, I listened back to it today just to hear him talk and uh, yeah. it's funny like you know we all are like we're all quite nervous just to be in his presence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
but um you know and and that episode listening back like he 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 was actually he'd just done a um uh an, an event for for are you okay and he spends a great deal of that episode talking about the importance of of the mental health of chefs and and people in the food industry and i i just found this like you know it's absolutely devastating and really unexpected um and like like you said the heart goes out to those far closer to him than we are um, yeah. And this is like yeah, this is a loss that I think is really going to be felt. Like I've, I don't know anyone that could have said a bad word about Jeremy in his lifetime. No. And uh, I, I just think yeah, like the amount of people that this that, that Jeremy's passing is going to affect is is is, is yeah. enormous. It's huge. Yeah, and you know, like obviously we don't know what demons he was battling or whatever. And you know, now he's at rest and at peace. And yeah. Um, his family have asked that if anyone wants to show their love and support that they donate to Are You OK? Um, I think there's a link in the Gourmet Traveller um, article in relation to Jeremy passing. So, you know, I reach out to everyone to, to donate a little to Are You OK? And, and reach out to everyone that you know that might be going through some shit or even if they're not and just let them know that there's someone there to talk to, I guess, and it's tough, man. Fuck. It's yeah, man. Just reading, reading the news, and I just, I just couldn't, couldn't believe it. Just, yeah. Just like you know, devastating is the is the is the word. And yeah, if if anyone you know, if anyone is in the industry and 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 has thoughts that they they're alone and they can't talk to people about things, like you know, it's never the case. There's always someone there that wants to talk to you about how you're feeling, and you know. That's something that we've kind of tried to talk about on the show before. Yeah. It affects a lot of people in the industry, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, we, so many of, like, I've reached out to so many people and so many people have reached out to me, you know, so there's always someone to talk to and even if you can't talk to someone, you know, call Are You OK or whoever it might be, but. You know, I mean, sometimes even that's not enough. So, yeah, yeah. Well, um, the truth. We'll, we'll talk about Jeremy millions of times in the, in in the future of of our of our stupid little show. But um, know that you know he he is, you know, one of the most loved chefs that's ever that's ever cooked anything in Australia. And yeah. you know, from from the classic kind of you know. Uh, you know, classic beloved Australian kind of dishes that he did at Bistro and all this stuff in Melbourne, right through to like you know even the the, the fish and bacon burger they do at the fish shop, which is yeah. like one of my favourite burgers yeah. of all time. Like, the dude had skills no matter what he was cooking. Yeah, he's, he's the truth, man. Just <laughs> plain and simple. Yeah, well, we're missing um, so much. So yeah, I mean. Jeremy and, and and everyone close to Jeremy, everyone who who loved him, who loved his food, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking our thoughts are with you. Yeah. And uh, on with the show. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you again in the future. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Bye. It's the Mitchin Podcast. 
Hey, what's up? Welcome to The Mitch and We Are a Weekly Food Podcast. My name is Andrew Levins. My co-host, as always, Mitchell Orr. What's up? Hey, mate. Um, joining us today, a return guest uh, for the first time in not much time, uh, <laughs> Lee Tran Lam from her podcast, The Unbearable Lightness of Being Hungry, and uh, writing food articles for anyone who will have her. From life in general. From life. From life. <laughs> Lee Tran Lam, welcome home. Thanks so much. Welcome home. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just park my... Uh furniture here yeah yeah oh, can i reveal juicy gossip about you you have you live in a one-room apartment what's oh, that like it's a studio studio it's like a living in a matchbox yeah yeah so this yeah this all kind of have you never heard of a removed. studio apartment before then? i don't know anyone who lives in one <laughs> <laughs> it's sydney like that's the only kind of rent i can afford <laughs> That's very elitist of you, though. God damn it. I've already put myself in this hole. Um, Says the guy that lives out in Parramatta because he can't afford to live anywhere else. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you live in a box. <laughs> yeah, but I live in a box with a great view. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, on the show today, um, just elitist views on uh, Australian junk food. We're going to talk about the second season of Master of None. Uh, we're going to talk about women in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And first, we're going to where they things. belong. Where th- <laughs> <laughs> Women in the food industry. Women in the box. <laughs> um, we're also going to talk about right now um, a meal that I had last week. So we can basically call this episode "Late Pass with Levens." Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I'd rather late pass than the <laughs> no pass. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. All food podcasts are great and equal. Um, so uh, I want to talk about um, Momofuku Siobo. Um, I, f- I finally friggin' ate, ate there um, after being like teased for it by Paul Carmichael himself on the podcast. Um, I, that was like a year ago as well. Yeah, I, know, <laughs> but I, I made it there. It's fine. Um, it, for those who don't know, it is a, uh, a restaurant in Sydney that frequently uh, is at the top of our top five lists. Uh, it was three hatted when it was uh, before Paul took over, and then I guess good food took away two hats because that's like the no it's took away a hat. Just two hats, two hats. So it's two yeah. hats now, and it's th- still three star in gourmet. It, right. It's gourmet travelers restaurant, restaurant of, of the year of the, of the, of the year. past guide. Yeah. Um, so people love this restaurant. Guess what, everyone? I loved this restaurant. I got a history with this restaurant too. Um, when it opened, um, I the first time I went was because Lee Tran gave me a voucher to eat there with my wife when we got married. So it was her wedding present to us was to eat there. That was also about three years after it opened. That's right. But I apparently <laughs> had been. I, I went there for your, another time. I went there and ate at the bar for your birthday, like yeah. the year before that. With Joyride. How many years ago was that, Mitch? That was like five, probably. <laughs> Maybe even more. Um, but. Uh, I just wanted to talk about like how fucking good it is. It's so fucking good. <laughs> yeah, no shit, bro. <laughs> I know. Like you know, I, I feel like you know, we, it, it's one thing to say some place is great, but like there were, there were just, just the entire experience is everything you want in like you know an, an expensive meal. Yeah. Um, the the speed of it, the pacing. We talk a lot about pacing, and I feel like sometimes we'll, we'll only mention a restaurant's pacing. Like you know, your comment will just be like, "Oh, it took too long for the, for the food." For my, I was there for four hours. I got sleepy, yeah, kind of thing. Um, but I think the, you know, I, when I, I went to Attica last year, fucking ten years after it was over, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the most exciting part of eating there was when they just send out this onslaught of snacks. Mm. When I say onslaught, it's like you finish eating one and there's already Next another one. one on the table and yeah. I was like man this is the best pace Sabo see I don't know how the fuck you say it Momofuku in Sydney yeah. uh, <laughs> they, that, that pace is just your entire meal and it's so like you know and they can they, they read you if, if, if you're smashing it they'll keep them coming really mm-hmm. really quickly if you're taking your time they'll, they'll pace it out a bit more every single person 
um, it goes to eat there for different reasons because the, the, the makeup of the crowd there, I feel like, is one of the most varied. It's very eclectic. You'll get like you know people that are there because it's just a restaurant in the casino where yeah. you know they're spending a week at the casino and they're eating at the the best place they can while yeah. they're there. You get you know young people on on dates that you can tell they've spent the entire year saving up for, yeah. and then you have you know special like, occasion. Yeah, and then you and then you have just you know general foodies that are checking back in with the spot. A lot of travelers, um, and uh, one of the dishes. It's like, you know, the big kind of showy... It was like these two pieces of beautiful pork and then you get like these sides. And um, the sommelier who's... What's his name? Ambrose. Ambrose. Ambrose Chang. So I'd, I'd, I'd never encountered him before. I, I could not... I've, I think it was like one of the best psalm experiences I've ever had. Just like in just... He wasn't pushy in any way. He just kind of like would just describe stuff. He was so smiley and happy. There was no fucking snootiness about him at all, which yeah. is... That role is such a snooty kind of role. Um like I don't, I don't know why like so many young guys would carry on that element of it like yeah I think like, I'm in my 20s I'm going to be snooty <laughs> <laughs> I think because they have to delve so deep into it and they sort of get lost yeah you get lost in the snootiness yeah you get lost in the sauce so to speak you know <laughs> so yeah I don't know but Ambrose is very laid back he's a professional but he he cares about the whole experience and it's not just about what he wants you to drink. It's about what you want to drink. Well, and that's the thing. So all the drink pairings like up to this course are quite, you know, they're varied. You know, at one point, you know, you're drinking a Brian wine, yeah. uh, Mike Benny's wine, which was which was great. And you know, some wines from all over the world, a great sake. And then when the main course comes out, it's like, this is your main course. What do you want to drink? Mm. And I loved this because not only was I able to say what I liked and let him just kind of choose a bunch of shit for me, he ended up bringing me three drinks. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I had two glasses of wine and a gin and tonic for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, like the restaurant's so varied, you have so many different people there. And that was never more evident than when you ask every single person, hey, what do you want to drink right now? And so you have this like incredibly different, you know, people drinking these big, hearty reds yeah, other yeah. people drinking like you know like spirits i was it was just really cool really cool thing to see and i, and I think like one of those you know, people always talk about restaurant experiences trying to be interactive and i think this was like a really like effortless way to be so interactive and make you think about what you're about to have with your meal i think another thing worth pointing out with mama fuku Siebo is they were the first restaurant in australia to do a juice pairing or a non-alcoholic yeah. match which comes from I think Clayton Wells and Ben Greeno, who used to be there, they were at Noma and they have a non-alcoholic drinks program there as well. And what Ambrose does with it at Siebo is like really fascinating and interesting. Like he'll take um, French Earl Grey tea and he'll freeze it and then like melt it down and then spike it with French Earl Grey caramel and be like this delicious drink. Or he'll like hand crush, I don't know, six kilos of berries and then add like some vinegar from Normandy and then turn that into something that he serves with, you know, soda on the rocks. And what he does with booze and non-booze is as well sought out and interesting. Also, he looks like he's 18. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's pretty young. Really, really impressive. Yeah. But Ambrose has also been there from the start. Right. Ambrose has been there since so working with Rich and worked under Rich and when Rich left, Andrew, Ambrose stepped up and took it over. Yeah, right, cool. Yeah. No, so it was like, I mean, I, was, I shouldn't only speak about wine. Like, the, the food is phenomenal. Like, poor Carmichael's palate for, and I, I you know, a lot of people, we, we, we spoke about how odd it was that Pete Wells focused on Mimifoku Siobo as an Australian restaurant because, you know, his cooking is anything but. But I definitely, like, you know, in his choice of 
like you know the fact that you're eating marin with the Caribbean no, flavors I th- I and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's a very Australian. Yeah, I really did too. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a very Australian restaurant. And man, there was not one. Actually, there was one course I didn't like, but I think you're kind of not meant to like it. The, the <laughs> black bitch, that final dessert. It's got a black bean. Uh, dot dot dot. I don't know if I had that. You have that. It's like these. I've two, only like, eaten at the bar. It's like these two licorice licorice pearls, and it's just like mm. it's based on like a candy that he had growing up, and it's yeah. like it's super intense. It's a cool way to end the meal, but it wasn't. I was like, oh, could have not eaten that and also been happy. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the the closest thing to criticism I have towards. It was yeah. such a great night. Services is spectacular and like just yeah it was just a it, it went when it opened i feel like they you know i love greeno's food i love clayton's food but um the atmosphere in there i felt like they had so much to prove and mm. now it just feels like like they're just so comfortable it's very fun yeah it was really really fun mm. yeah when i interviewed ben greeno for my podcast he said one of the reasons he ended up leaving was because when they started out it was fun but then all the accolades came in and then the people who started to go were just really different to the people who started started going in the beginning who just wanted a good time so it's interesting to see that it's it, done that, another that happens in every restaurant like the more successful you get like if you go from one hat to two hat you see a change in your clientele because people come and get, they, they think oh well that's a two hat restaurant so it sort of knocks people out of a different you know they go oh that might be not what we want because it's two hats now and so it attracts a different clientele and that clientele then comes in with all these different expectations of what your restaurant should be because it's rated at whatever point it's rated at and like it happened with Esther and that kind of thing so yeah it's interesting to hear that but that's part of the game and you've I guess you've still got to just keep doing what you do that got you to that point anyway because you can't go and change the whole thing just because you got an accolade you know yeah totally um so I'm, I'm very curious because Lee you're vegetarian <coughs> um what like it, it, uh, the way I describe my meal, do you feel the same way? Like, because I feel like I, there was maybe one vegetarian course that I ate over the course of the night. So I've only eaten at the bar, right? Um, and I have to say, we got treated so well. It didn't feel like oh, you're just eating at the bar. Like it would be up there with like one of the best meals I had last year. And in my head, it's a bit of a blur because I went in December, but everything was like to the max with flavor, like either like really buttery or really um i think there was one dish was like a macadamia milk and there was another dish where maybe they like charred uh cos lettuce so they really like pushed the flavors but not just in that way where you just like burn the shit out of everything or you caramelize the shit out of everything but like adding a bit of i don't know grapefruit to this to really bring out the zest in this part of the dish so i felt like it was it was like up to 11 in terms of flavor. I didn't feel like, oh, you know, just another afterthought. You didn't bring out like a Caribbean risotto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sh- I don't know if I should mention this, but I did go to a restaurant recently and I did email them and ask them if they had veggie dishes. And I put I was a vegetarian in the booking. And when I turned up, it was still a bit like, oh, you can have like the greens. So it was not that experience. It was That's definitely the opposite of that experience. Yeah. That stinks. Yeah. Well, I mean, all I can think of now is the the, the was it, like a military snail dish. Yeah. And I, I think it was like right in front of me, and I was like, another one of those, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the first mouthful you get. Like one well, second, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was man, and I, I definitely got better from there. But that was like a spectacular yeah. start. There's so many great, cool tastes, and I, I, I agree with you. Like it is, there is a lot of Australia in his in his yeah. in his menu. 
that uh, the kingfish head did you get yeah, that yeah, yeah. just covered in like hot sauce like just plastered in this hot sauce which yeah. is more about the the vinegar and the peppers rather than the, rather so than the heat yeah. so good anyway I uh, highly recommend it obviously you don't need us to tell you to go there it's one of the best in Sydney yeah yeah. congrats for making it bro thank you so congrats much bro congrats for B for having a birthday to make you go <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk about Australian junk food Good Food put out a uh, pretty fun article last week that I oh uh, yeah I, I saw it but I didn't read it but I wanted to talk about yeah, good. Well. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Lucky, lucky we have a podcast, man. I know, no, lucky. <laughs> uh, so, uh, this is written by Joel Bearden. He does uh, top 10 Australian junk foods. And uh, I'll just, I won't read the entire article. I'll just go through their top 10 and we can work out if there's anything that's uh, dangerously missing. Okay. Um, all right. So, vanilla slice. Yeah. Sure. I don't. I fucking hate I vanilla slice. Yeah, I didn't no, fuck no, with no, vanilla no. slice when I was young. Yeah, not a fan. My, but it's always everywhere. Yeah. So it's it is iconic. My father-in-law put put. Uh, went, we went for a brunch at their place, and he brought out the vanilla slice slabs. <laughs> he goes, "Oh, put, I'll just put, I'll, I'll, I'll warm them up on the bench." I'm like, oh man, he's gonna eat those anyway. Uh, um, golden gay time. Yeah. yeah. Fucking oath. Yeah. That's, that, should, that should be number one. Yeah. I mean, it's not really numbered. It's okay. just a list. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, number one. Gay time. Up. Sausage sizzle. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Shapes? Yeah, I fuck with shapes, yeah. Okay, cool. Meat pie. Yeah. Yep. Is a meat pie and sausage is a really junk food though? That's what I was thinking. It's not really junk food. It's certainly, yeah. There's some sort of nutritional value there. Yeah. Um, a Nenish tart, which I is have the... I have no idea what that is. That's the black and white um, iced black tart. Black and white cookie? With no. like fake cream in the middle. No. 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 I hate that thing. Yeah. No. I was always like the... Because always it's like the, the suburban bakery, you see the Nenish tarts. And then there was always those um weird green frogs... Like they're like the size of a cupcake and they're a green frog with like two brown chocolate eyes. And then they've, they've, it's like this pinkish cream in the middle of them and they cut a wedge into its mouth so you can see like the green icing and then the pink in the middle from its mouth. You know never, what I'm talking about? Never seen you know that about? before in my life. They're all mm. over suburban. No, anyway. <laughs> um, Milo. Yeah. Passiona. I prefer Pasito, but sure. What? Yeah. Okay. I thought that was like a known thing. Everyone preferred Pasito, man. Oh. Pasiona, please. <laughs> also, I learned from this article that it's not pronounced Pasiona. It's, it's Pashona. No, that's wrong. It should be Pasiona. <laughs> um, and uh, a Chico roll. Yeah. I, I never really I've ate a chicken. Never roll. eaten a chicken. No, roll. but again, it's everywhere and it's pretty iconic. Oh, I thought like if you got sausage sizzle, you got meat pie. Like the, this, the junk food version of both of those things and a chicken roll is it just a sausage roll, right? Yeah, that's way more yeah. like. There's no sausage roll. No. Oh, yeah. that's cheesels. Mm. Cheesels is too I prefer tubes. T- yeah, tubes t- or, yeah. Or burgerings. Tubes, Burger- tubes are better than cheesels, but I think like burgerings is a bit more iconic. Yeah. Cheezels, I just remember when I was a kid putting them all on my fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tubes. And, and if you did it with tubes, the tubes would like burn your fingers. <laughs> all the weird shit on them. <laughs> so the reason I, I saw Milo was in this, and like the night before, I was having a glass of Milo at home, and I, wanted, I started writing a Facebook status, like as basically like a fuck you to my mum for only ever letting me have two teaspoons <laughs> of Milo. And now I just like fucking heap it up. Like it's like 10 teaspoons. So it's like half. Milo half milk But I couldn't get the wording right And then the next day I saw it came out I was like Damn it What's wrong with that? Oh, I was just like I should have been more Like I should have <laughs> got the wording right I could have been really relevant But every time I have a Milo I'm just like Fuck you mum Seven how do you, Eight How do you Milo? Do you like I used to um, 
you, you put the two spoons down the bottom, then you get a little bit of hot water and you mix it up. What? Yeah, man, you make a little hot and then <laughs> And then it combines with the milk better. No. And then you put another one on top so then you have the crunchy stuff no, too. No, 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 no. Ten in, milk in. Ten <laughs> stir straight, Stir straight away. And then you've got to eat it straight away so you get all the crunchiness and the goodness. Because if you let it sit, then it goes like not crunchy and no good. Right. You get, and then the milk's super chocolatey anyway because you've got so much fucking Milo in there. Leetrand, your I thoughts? I was more the Levens method. Yeah, right. Yeah, because you need what? a little... A little heat. That's crazy. Yeah. What are you You've never heard of that? You so make... it's like a hot Milo. No, 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 no. Just a tiny bit of hot water, like, like, like a so few drops and then it melts Just all, all the Milo. Just put more fucking Milo in there. <laughs> <laughs> then you get like a deep, rich chocolate in you <laughs> yeah. and then you get the extra crunch on I top. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So, some junk food that I think is missing. Cheese sticks. Like... Those craft weird, disgusting sticks. craft cheese yeah, sticks yeah, or yeah. singles. Yeah. The craft singles. Yeah, or yeah. Laughing Cow. Yeah, no. Nah. Oh, yeah, craft laughing. singles. Craft sing- I'll give you That's craft way singles. That's like, you yeah. know, like shitty yeah. white Aussie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, you too much culture to this, Lee Tran. a bit fancy. <laughs> Sorry. <Lee Tran>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, craft singles, yeah. Well, what about Baby Bells? Those, I don't the know whack, why Baby the, Bells. The, whack, the red wax covered That's cheese ball. That's more fancy than Laughing Cow. The snooty one. Two Minute Noodles. Two Minute Noodles? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Slash Meagering, but I think it should be Maggi if it's Australian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just, the, we're, just now just, we're just doing now shitty white suburbia. Yeah. Actually, this is interesting because that's where my mind went, my mind went to yeah. t- as well. And I feel like we should try and get away from this shit, like like that that, that you know that that that, that Australian I, junk food. Because yeah, yeah. But I guess that's what you grew up with. And that's what if we you, grew up but with, if you yeah. went to school, yeah, yeah like yeah. that shit's all in the canteen. Where's the you know snacks I mean? at then? Yeah, the snacks should be on there. Yeah, that's a good one. Put snack on yeah, the snacks good. Uh, what else you got? I don't think it's about it. It's okay. good. What about you, Lee Train? Oh. Do you have that embarrassing, like, you know, like my, 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 Bianca, my wife, always talks about that she had the most boring lunchbox ever because her mum, um, who came over from Portugal, um, got teased when she was a kid because she always had, like, weird shit. Yeah. Like, you know, like, okay, good shit. Good shit. In her yeah. lunchbox. So B just grew up with, like, peanut butter sandwiches and mm. Smith's crisps. So I had, like, two phases where um, the first primary school I went to, super multicultural in Cabramatta. So no one's going to tease anyone, right? Mm-hmm. And then the second one I went to was in Haverfield. And I was, like, one of three Asian kids in the entire school. But my dad owned the local corner store and... So I just ate a lot of junk <laughs> that we sold. So you should be the expert on this article. Um, and also, this is hilarious because I'm a vegetarian now, but every day I would make a fried onion and bacon toasted cheese sandwich to take to school. Sick. That's sick. That's a good <laughs> one. <laughs> what, what, so like like, like, the, like regular day. fried onions. You'd make yeah. it at home or you go to the yeah. corner shop and make it at the corner I'd shop? I'd make it at home and I'd take it and it'd be like slightly soggy, but you're in your six. You don't care that sick. much. I don't know how I didn't have yeah. a heart attack at the age of 12. <laughs> how, awesome. are, how are hot chips and chicken salt not on there? And then I just realized like lollies yeah. in general. There's no yeah. lollies on that list. Like red frogs. Or red frogs or strawberries and creams. Yeah, and strawberries and creams. Yeah. Pineapple chunks. Oh, fuck. Mm. I love pineapple chunks. They're more New Zealand though. I think they're in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Pineapple chunks. We stole them we oh. did crowded house lamington lamington yeah. yeah i mean there's a million there's a million fucking things yeah yeah it? yeah anyway more candy red clouds gummy ears i don't know what a red cloud is you don't need teeth i used to like teeth, teeth. oh yeah yeah, yeah. teeth are pretty bad <laughs> <laughs> is violet crumble australian uh i don't know i think it might be vi- i don't violet? feel like i've ever seen it anywhere else vi- you're you're a violet crumble over crunchy, crunchy. guy aren't you? Fuck uh, yeah. no i think i like you're crunchy, crunchy ever yeah. uh, back in the crew <laughs> twix twix is the only real chocolate bar oh twix is so good twix is number you, one and you're though. a chump boy too right yeah i don't mind a chump yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Twix is number one. What was like? Okay, we've, I've never realized that your dad owned a corner store. Did you get to the point where you took junk food for granted, or was it just always fucking there and you loved it? Yeah, so I would go through phases. There was a phase where I ate. There was a Mars bar ice cream. Mm. Oh no, Snickers bar ice cream. Yeah, get about you can still, still get, you can get both. Yeah, yep. but, but yeah. I was a big deal when you can get chocolate bar ice creams in in uh, yes. in corner shop in freezers. They yeah. were the expensive two dollar kind. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I would eat one every single day. <laughs> I would <laughs> eat a lot of pineapple chunks. I have, now that I think about it, I had the worst diet <laughs> for a child. The best ice cream was the the Maxi Bon cookie. Oh. oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. But that didn't last long, but fuck, that yeah, was good. Right. Bubble Bill's. How's Bubble Bill not on there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crun- crunchy ice cream was really good too. I, I that. love that. Was, that was a big deal. And, and you get a picnic ice cream as well. Yeah. Bring them all back, corporations. <laughs> Bring them all back for us. <laughs> to, um, for us to not buy them ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, for, but for good food to make listicles yeah. about them. Ten ice creams that need to come back. I'm a picture. Yeah, picture. I already, I, I, that was like my favorite article I've ever written was about the best ice creams of the summer 20, 2015. Yeah. I'll bring. I'll do ten ice creams that need to come back. I mean, that's more Buzzfeed than good food. Yeah. But fuck it, good food picture, delve into that well sometimes. Way. Yeah. 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 Um, so, do you guys want to talk about Master of None, or do you want to talk about um, Lauren Eldridge's article in Good oh, let's, Food? Let's let's do Lauren's first. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Lauren Eldridge is a previous guest on the podcast. Uh, she was uh, the pastry chef at Mark for quite a few years. And what, during that time, she won the Josephine Pignolet Young Chef of the Year Award. Um, we had her on the podcast shortly after that. So, it was uh, two years ago-ish. Pretty, pretty Has it exactly, been that long? E- yeah, exactly two, two years, years ago. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Um, And uh, she's awesome. Like, I'm a big fan of her. She's, she kind of made an appearance on the podcast at one of our Rootstock episodes as well, I think. Um, and she's done many other things besides being on our podcast <laughs> as well. Um, but uh, she wrote a, uh, a really great article that was out in Good Food today. We're only doing Good Food articles today. Um, but uh, yeah, basically kind of responding to not so much the fact that there was one um, female chef that had been... Like she, only, only one of the chefs was yeah. a girl. She that, was that responding was nom- to the backlash. That's right. So, so, yeah. so of all the nominations for the this year's Josephine Pignolet Awards and they're national now, only one of the chefs was a girl. And, and that was Kylie Miller from Attica. That's yeah. right. Um, and uh, a big deal was made of that. Um, and every time that she was mentioned, it would bring up that she was the only girl who was nominated. And so she didn't wasn't so much... The article which is up today, which is called... Um, former Josephine Pignolet award winner returns volley, returns her volleys. <laughs> um, but uh, it's basically saying like, you know, a, a, almost about the way it was talked about more, less than, like, less than it was about the fact that there was only one girl nominated. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good written article and it's kind of lucky that we've got a woman here to speak about it as well. So it's <laughs> yeah, not yeah. Too, well, too, and, too milled white guys talking, but, and I, and I want to get Lauren on next it's week. It's also pretty much the, opinion that I hear talking to female chefs or talking to females in the industry and I agree with it like why do they need to be identified as female chefs and why are they not identified by the things they've achieved or done in their career the same as male chefs are which is what Lauren says and it's pretty much what every female chef says and every time a female chef has to do an interview or something like that and they get what's it like to be a female in the industry what's this and that and it's obviously it's, it's not just chefs, but it is particularly prevalent yeah, in, well, the, in the food world. From speaking from where yeah, we are, course, what yeah. we see, and who I talk to, and they fucking hate it. And it's like, what are what are they supposed to do? Are they do they steer that question in another direction? Do they ignore that question and then 
you know, are they getting asked, are they only getting interviewed because they're a female and the publication has decided they need to have a female and it's not based on, you know, like all that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a hard subject to broach. I mean, and feel free to butt in at any point (laughs) instead of us fumbling over it like (laughs) we do every week. But like with this podcast, like, you know, I, I, I see, I look back and of the episodes we've done and I see how much men outnumber women just on this podcast alone. And that's with me and Mitch going like, we can't keep, only yeah, having guys have, but it's difficult and I know this is a fucking it, it's a lame complaint from our end because you know it's considerably easier for us to get more women on than it is for a woman to you know work her way up the industry yeah but um, you know even it is just a noticeable thing like it is it, it's still a very male dominated space yeah I remember interviewing Chewy Lee Look who used to run Claude's and she had the chow eating bar in Surrey Hills and I remember talking to her about this on my podcast where I, I cited a statistic and this was for America, but it's probably similar for Australia where you're more likely to find a female CEO than a female head chef. Like mm. that's how skewed um, it is gender wise. And I definitely find with my own podcast, I'm very wary that, you know, previous to the one I did recently with Nikki Toe, I had done like four guys in a row. And it's not like... I want to have some system where I'm like, I'm only going to talk to this person because she's a woman. Yeah. Like, it has to be someone interesting. But I'm still wary that I want it to be a fairly diverse podcast. But I have the same problem with you guys that, you know, there are a lot more dudes in it's, the industry. It's a, it's a ratio thing, yeah. Um, and I, g- I guess we have to talk to Lauren or we ask Danielle or whoever if why that is because I don't, again, I can only speak from my point of view and it's a stupid point of view because I'm a white middle-aged male but <laughs> I don't like you just play golf today I, yeah I had I love having women in the kitchen and I love having women in the restaurant in general and they're usually much more they're usually easier to work with less arrogant less fucking headstrong and in the stupid way of being headstrong and you know that kind of thing and they make the place a better a better place to work and i don't think i've ever seen anyone that i've worked for discriminate against that like most kitchens i've been in have had women in them and the floor teams have been you know an even split at least so i don't know why it is and i don't like especially now i think with the changes in the industry i don't think there's anyone out there going i'm not going to hire a woman to be in the kitchen but again, like I can't really say, so we'll have to ask a few more of the the women chefs that we're lucky enough to know. Well, I found that the first few female chefs I interviewed for my podcast, and I'm just identifying them as female I know, chefs. It's because a, I, hate, I, hate clarify, I hate just yeah, using yeah. that word. Yeah. I hate the word female. I hate it. It's yeah. like, it seems like, like a female is like a word that people who have never talked to a woman use yeah. to describe yeah. them. Yeah. But just in terms of like answering this yeah. question, yeah. and I was like torn, like. Do I ask them this question or yeah. not? And I thought, look, I kind of have to because it is a thing, but I, I didn't want it to be the only thing yeah, they yeah, talk about yeah. it. So it's maybe one question out of like 30 that I <coughs> yeah. ask. And when I interviewed Annalise Gregory, who you used to work with, um, like she was the best interview I've ever done in my entire life. And afterwards, I said how much I enjoyed talking with her because she's done all this amazing stuff in Spain and in France and here in Australia. And she said, you know, it was nice to be interviewed and not just asked, what is it like to be a woman 
in the industry. I still asked her that question, but it's it was not in the, the whole makeup. Yeah, and that, that's the problem, I think. And that's something Annalise would say is like, I got I've got this interview again, and it's the same fucking five questions over and over and over again, no matter who it's from, you know. So, like Lauren said, like I think Lauren said, it's a bit of a media issue, you know. Yeah, it's not an issue in the industry; it's an issue in the media. So. I think it's, and it's not just the media, because when I went to that World's 50 Best Talks thing that happened at the Opera House, one of the questions was this dude who got up, and as soon as he said it, we all were like dying inside, where he said to Dominic Crenn, who recently won, what, Best Female Chef in the World's 50 Best Awards, he basically said to her... um, why aren't you a mother? Because that's basically the most important job. It wasn't like, do you have any regrets that you didn't decide to be a mother instead of a chef? Yeah. And the Mm. implication, like he didn't say in literal, he didn't say in the literal words, but his implication was the most important job you can have is being a mother. And she answered it so well. And she said like, how do you know I'm not? Because actually I am. I've got like, twins but she just chose not to publicize it and i can understand that because then it becomes becomes about yeah how do you balance it you know and but you know what i thought was amazing she answered it in such an articulate funny way where she didn't make him feel bad about asking such an arrogant didn't didn't, didn't she make him repeat it first she was like i'd like you to ask that question again (laughs) (laughs) but she could have been like she could have handed him his ass on a plate and i feel like the kind of shitty thing is and i think any woman has been in a situation where someone's been a dick and you have to kind of make it okay for them that Mm. they've been a dick and you kind of have to point out they have been a dick but you can't be a jerk about pointing out that they've been a dick. (laughs) Like, that's the tricky thing about being a woman, right? Like, you... And the thing about all these articles is all these women are expected to explain why this is a problem and how they're single-handedly meant to solve it. it. And it's like, should they really? Is it really their fault? Yeah, Yeah, I know, like, like a good friend of ours, Nina, Las Vegas, who's a DJ, like, just refuses to answer those questions now when she gets yeah. asked them. Like, yeah. you know, what's it like being a, a woman in the in the music industry? She's just like, just, uh, fuck off. No, no, no. Like, she did a big spiel in for, like, a pretty high like, billboard, billboard or something yeah. like that, yeah. saying, like, just don't ask me these questions anymore. Yeah. I'm done. And it then, is, like, it is a big problem in the music space, too. You constantly see, like, our DJ friends who are women say, you know, like, oh, everyone's talking about how we're promoting women in the industry and la, la, la. But now you put out another lineup that's all dudes or yeah. you make a big deal about hey we're gonna have a women's women's lineup. only stage why just yeah. fucking put them on exactly. the event you know yeah yeah, yeah. Don't thing. same as like I, I, my other podcast hey fam we did a um, interview with a, a games maker from um, uh, she's like from grew up in Cabramatta and now lives in the UK she, her name's like Siobhan Reddy and she does like Little Big Planet and all the media molecule games I have no idea what any of those yeah. things are it's a good game she came out she was out here and um, we did a half hour episode with her and uh, it finished and she was like oh my god it was the end of her day we're at the PlayStation offices and she was like that was easily the best interview we did all day and i was like oh yeah because i was gonna lead with like what's it like being a woman in the games industry and like as a joke and she was like that's how every, every single, single interview started. i did today began yeah. i was like oh fuck i was just, I was just joking <laughs> <laughs> so it's like yeah it's the unfortunately it's, i feel like it's everything like i'm a dj who does games journalism and food journalism and it's all and it's across all, the same it's yeah. like that that problem is 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 part of all of it and i yeah I, it's one of those things where i wish i could do more 
I probably can. So I suck. <laughs> yeah. Tell us what we can do. Yeah, yeah. We're here um, to be allies. You know? Yeah, totally. I think um, just profiling women because they're really good at what they do and yeah, asking 100%. them about yeah. other shit is one step forward. And yeah, I, totally. I don't. I don't think anybody wants recognition just because of their gender. Or, or, you know or yeah, I mean? yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. You know, like they all want the recognition because they've earned it. Yeah. Like everybody, you know, you don't want something that you haven't earned and you don't want something handed to you just because of something you happen to be that's unrelated to what you do. So do we need to like say goodbye to these articles that are like, you know, here are five female chefs in the industry who are really ripping it up. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Is that, I, th- I or, think or, 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 or is there some good that comes from them for highlighting yeah, I have such mixed feelings about this because um, the problem doesn't go away if we just pretend it doesn't exist yeah. as well. So I feel like it's a really complicated debate and we just can't have the, the like, yeah, the cliche of asking these women. Yeah. You know, I work like, in journalism. It's a lot, especially in magazines, which is mainly my background, most of the workforce is women mm. and we're never asked... Why What's aren't there like? more dudes in well, the you industry? Well, you never hear. I mean, you've probably never been described as a female writer. Yeah, rarely. Yeah, right. yeah so very rarely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Lee, your your last podcast with Nikki too did make me go, fuck, we're not, maybe we're not looking wide enough. Because yeah. I've known Nikki for a long time and I, like, I think Nikki's amazing and she would be a great person to have on because she pays attention and she's constantly in different she's, she's establishments. She's an establishment that we need to ask. I, I, you know, I, like, yeah. I was like, fuck. Well, what we, why, why haven't we thought of Nikki or this person or that person? Well, one, one of my favourite podcasts that I listened to in the last year is your episode of Unbearable Lightness with um, Helen Greenwood from Grab, Grab Your Fork. Helen Yee. Helen Yee, sorry. <laughs> Green, fuck, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Easy to say. Thank you. Helen Yee from, from Grab Your Fork. Um, and, uh, who you know, she's been a, a, a blogger, like, you know, started out as a blogger like you. <clears throat> and um, it was just like this great kind of chat about, you know, blogging through the ages and, and the two of you and I was like, I've, I've, I've wanted to get Helen on since yeah, then. I actually yeah. asked that if she could do today as well, but just to, just to repeat <laughs> your episode with her again. <laughs> but, um, well, yeah. to be honest, like what you said, Mitch, like to try and get more women on my podcast, I've kind of had to do it by thinking outside. outside box, yeah. I can't just ask female chefs. chefs. Yeah. 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 And if and like, this is like a tiny, like, you know, like not really that that important but like you know while there are more men on this podcast as guests there are way more men who I will never have on this podcast <laughs> as guests <laughs> I don't know if that's some kind of consolation prize <laughs> no, it's just because there's more dickheads yeah. that's right <laughs> so yeah look I'm, I'm, uh, I hope Lauren is uh, Lauren's moving to Melbourne so, is she? yeah so oh, she's uh, no. she's setting up some stuff in Melbourne uh, this week and hopefully uh, we'll be back next week in time to do the show with us then so hopefully we can hear more from Lauren Eldridge very soon she's awesome um, so uh, let's talk about Master of None season 2 because yeah. uh, old Andrew Late Pass Levins finally finished that season last night um, I watched about 100 other TV series I just okay. I, I put it in the back burner um, so Lichan, I've spoken to you about this series uh, the, after the first season came out. This is a series on Netflix uh, created by Aziz Ansari and Alan Yang. Um, Aziz plays the uh, character of Dev. Dev, um, which is like you know loosely just kind of based on Aziz. This is him, yeah. Um, but then there are like there are moments where I, I think that's problematic, which we can address later on in the episode. Um, but we, after the first season came out, you came on on my, um, my other podcast, Hey Fam, and we did like the best TV shows on the year of the year. And uh, you and I were very pro that show. 
Um, yeah, there was another guest of a friend of ours, Matt Roden, who was extremely against it. Really? And I we, liked season one. was great too. Season one is yeah, good. I will still, you yeah, know, I ride, I ride for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, it, it's very much about like, you know, I guess at, at its core, the, the series is about living in New York and having relationships in New York. Yeah. And um, I think that season did a great job of saying what it's like to fall in love with someone. Um, and I, I really, I really loved those episodes. And then um, the kind of undertone of it is that Aziz's character Dev loves pasta. And at the very end of the first season, he leaves for Italy yeah. to learn how to make pasta. And so this season catches up with him in Italy. Like we actually get two episodes yeah. in Italy of him, what his life's been like. I like I like this season more because Levs and I were talking about it last night, and Levs was like, "Oh, season one's so good. It's like about falling in love." And, and I was like, "Yeah, that's because you've been in a monogamous relationship for ten years, bro. <laughs> like you've got nothing else to relate to." And I was like, "I thought that was gross, and <laughs> I thought it was gross and boring, you know." But <laughs> season two is so cool because we like I guess we have mutual friends who know Aziz so you sort of hear about how much he loves food and we know Eric and how much Eric loves eating and all that kind of stuff so to see that come through in a show like season two is so relatable to me even though it's based in New York and you know like the Tinder dating and just going out to eat or going to a bar and meeting your friends to this thing and going and like going somewhere to eat something is like so relatable Mm to my day-to-day life, you know, so, like it's really good. I, I, I liked that, that one of the things I liked about this season was that food took a much further, bigger yeah, step forward. it's a prominent it? thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, quite explicitly because the first episode is he's in Modena yeah. in um, Italy. He's learning to make pasta there. And the second episode, um, he's fed by Massimo Batura. And apparently when Massimo Batura heard that Aziz and Sari was filming in Modena, he was like... I have to have him in the restaurant. Mm. So I assume that Aziz filmed there so he could just get into um, Osteria Francescana, but it was actually the other way around. Um, Massimo Batura like courted him. And that's why <laughs> in the scene they're eating in the wine room because yeah. there was nowhere to film because the restaurant was already cool. booked out. Yeah, I, I, I loved that scene. That was, that was really fun. And at, at one point in this season... Um, we're going to go full spoilers on Master of None Season 2, by the way, because I, I really want to yeah, talk old. about it in depth. It's been out It's heaps so old. Long. If you haven't watched it uh, by now, like you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. If you hadn't watched it yesterday, it's fine. <laughs> but now, you're a fucking <laughs> idiot. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I... Um, I, 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 later in the in the season, um, Aziz he, he 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 becomes the host of a cupcake <laughs> show, which I thought was, was really well cupcake put challenge. Yeah. Um, uh, like it was it was completely like what you ex- expect from a shitty um, reality yeah. TV show about a cupcake contest. Yeah. Um, but then he pitches this completely unearned um, like. Travel, travel show, show with yeah. this with this um, chef Jeff yeah which is very much and I read an article in which they deny this but like there is no way it's uh, what's his it's name it's not Bourdain it's, Bo- yeah, it's yeah, no Anthony Bourdain but it's played by um, what's his, uh, Bobby, Bobby Cannavale yeah, right, sorry, Bobby. doing a very good Bourdain impression <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. and he ends up being like a real creep who has like multiple Sex- cases sexist, of sexual yeah. harassment yeah. about and I was like fuck imagine what Bourdain thinks of this <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I would much rather watch the show. I, I, I would actually love to see a show of Eric Wareheim eating his way through fancy restaurants. And yeah. I think that was something that they tried to do years ago. There's like right. photos of Eric Wareheim, Aziz Ansari, and Jason Wallner, who did all the um, Human Giant stuff, which is Aziz's sketch group. And I think he directed a bunch of other movies and stuff since then. But uh, I think they tried to do like an eating, an eat, like a travel eating show. 
And, he, and then he did that. That it wasn't he, he. Him and um, James Murphy sent to Tokyo to do a with David Chang, like on Twitter. He's like, "Hey, can someone send us to Japan and GQ magazine?" Like, "Yeah, cool, we'll do it." And they did. <laughs> just for an article or something. Yeah, just for an article. For an article. Well, because so with this one, right? Uh, there's a really good podcast with Aziz um, on the Bill Simmons podcast, and they talk about Master of None. And Aziz actually did go and live in Modena for three months and learn Italian and all that kind of thing. And after this season wrapped, he went and did that in Tokyo. Really? So season three might be Tokyo version. Well, yeah, right. my joke was that the next Tourism Australia campaign should be trying to get Master of None shot yeah, in Australia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be the That'd worst be season though. No, it would be fucking sick. <laughs> He'd go to ask me. So it would get real dark. This is so funny, man. <laughs> when I, I had like a... He came to, to the dip when he was last here um, at the Opera House and had like a long conversation. Um, Like I was just like, hey man, what's up? Thanks for coming through. And um, he like had a long conversation about how lonely it is traveling and stuff like that. And I feel like that really, like like, he's also written articles about how he doesn't believe in love in in our generation and like how he thinks his parents' arranged marriage makes more sense than the way we most of us treat relationships. So yeah, I, I think... Our outlooks, like my personal outlook on, like you know, I'm 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 a big believer in love, and, and uh, I'm not a lonely dude. Whereas I think, yeah, like I think my problems with the series just stemmed from very different outlooks on that particular yeah, aspect like, of life. Like a, yeah, so the, the, all the things that you didn't like because you, you can't relate to them, I liked. I know it wasn't that I couldn't them. relate to them. I just like I I see a lot of Aziz himself in Dev, and mm-hmm. so knowing that he wrote this series in which he's put in a position that he's trying to win over a girl who is engaged to someone that he met in Italy and then it ends with him claiming that she used him. I just yeah, thought that, that was, was so yeah, gross. That part was a bit, yeah. Okay, so I have a different... I didn't like, I didn't okay. like that part. Yeah. I have a different take on this, right? So I feel like the whole season is about whether you should have what you want, right? Sure. And we've seen a lot of it backfire, like when... um. Eric Wareheim's character goes to the wedding of his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> and so everyone's like, don't... With the melon. That's a, oh, I love that. <laughs> and, and don't... He just like, shreds the, the new husband. Yeah. <laughs> you're like a B-grade. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Everyone's like, don't declare that you're still in love with her. That's yeah. a bad idea. But of course he does. Um, and with... Um, what's her name? Is it Francesca? Francesca. Yeah, Francesca. Francesca. She's engaged to a guy who's like pretty boring, yeah. right? That she thought was going to be her future. And it makes sense for them to be together. And everything about her life is really embedded in family. Whereas Dev can do whatever he wants. If he wants to eat bacon, he's going to eat bacon. doesn't matter mm. if his parents are Muslim. Um, so I think it's interesting that she questions, should she actually have what she wants? Which is this relationship with Dev or um, running to New York and having this fun life. Whereas for Dev, the only thing that kind of held him back was like, oh, she's with another guy. It's a bit, you know, questionable. Um, but I think, you know, she, for him, like, she was hands off, but she sees him as freedom. And she did kind of like, she did flirt with him. Come on. Like, there yeah, was no, no, she didn't carry. But for Dev to say that he was being used, yeah, I didn't like that either. It's like, yeah. But that's also like, 
you get stuck in your emotions and you think this and then you don't get what you want so you have this overreaction tantrum. That, you, that is a tantrum and you say all this shit because you're emotional and it's not logical and all of that but I was like nah, come on Dev yeah but I mean when I was on your show Hey Fam uh, Matt Roden's like oh the problem with uh, Master of None is like <laughs> he's an okay guy <laughs> 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 Good, keep going I like it I like it I'm into it. <laughs> the problem with Master of None is like Dev is just like a perfect character he's just like so per- so like no he's super flawed yeah he yeah. has a lot he's of super flaws flawed, so yeah. I was sympathetic to his point of view even though I thought they shouldn't get back I just thought they shouldn't get together because mm. what is so interesting about their relationship is that they're not the together. forbiddenness well, and yeah, yeah for me that was that was yeah. the weakest yeah. part of 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 the of this season for me like there were the the middle like five episodes I thought were awesome like the best that he's done I loved that episode that he wasn't even fucking in that was like incredible yeah. death the, castle yeah. death castle yeah. one yeah. where you have really like good. three different groups of people that it yeah. kind of follows the. Um, the deaf supermarket worker, the yeah. uh, guy working in the taxi driver, and they got taxi real taxi drivers. drivers. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the uh, the guy working in the foyer of the hotel, the concierge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I loved that episode so much. I loved um, the Thanksgiving episode, which was co-written by yeah, his friend um, Lena Sweet. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought that was a really great episode. Yeah. Um, and like he actually did some of the dramatic stuff really well in that. Whereas when he was being dramatic in the like in the scenes with um, Francesca I was just like shut up <laughs> he just has like, this, pup, this puppy dog face it. and it reminds me too fun. much of either him or Tom Haverford his character right. on Parks and Rec yeah, yeah, and yeah. I couldn't like yeah I just yeah couldn't I see yeah. too much I, maybe that's my own hang ups maybe I just see too much of him in but it. I think there is heaps of him yeah it is basically him like I, it's his parents too. his parents are the best thing in the show as well yeah I loved yeah. The, the scene of his dad when he takes him he makes him come and visit him at work yeah. and then he's like shows him the collection of things that he takes and then he's like, "No, if they go out of their butt, they they have to keep it." It's so funny, yeah. And I thought he, his dad was like way funnier this season than last season. Yeah, his dad, yeah. he was clearly loving it. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, and like lots of things that I liked from last season. Like I liked, I liked the episode that was about him eating bacon a lot, mm. um, and his cousin. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. Was, that was a good episode. But the, the, the I, I couldn't stand how saccharine the um, the first episode was in Italy. Um, the one that's based on the bicycle thief. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just like with with the kid and like him. And I just I I just found that like there are mo- like people always go on about like how bad his parents are as actors. But there were moments where I was like, everyone in this show is a terrible actor. Yeah, uh, Aziz <laughs> isn't a great actor, but I like it. Mm. Like it's kind of. It's kind of charming in a way, I guess. Like, I'm just... I Yeah, I don't like... I don't find it that it takes me out of the show. And I kind of love how bad his parents are at acting. Like, I think his dad got really good this really season. Good. Mm-hmm. But his mum is quite stiff and stuff. But I think it's still good. And I think it makes the show more... Um, genuine. Yeah, more genuine. And yeah, exactly. Do you know one of the alternate endings for this season was that maybe the girl in the first episode would... Like they would come, come together. Or yeah, something. I was expecting that to happen because yeah. there's a lot of still exploring that and how that changes and the back and forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But really I was good. like, just go to the restaurant and ask for her details. Because he was like, I can't uh. contact her because the <laughs> numbers on my phone and it's been stolen. And I would just be like, just go to the restaurant and go like, and, um, and ask her, book, her booking yeah. number in the first episode. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. And also, he, she made a booking for like a month from then, so maybe yeah, you she knew exactly when. Yeah. And yeah. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, you could have. You could have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I th- did you like the ending where it suddenly shoots forward and you see a split second of Francesca in bed with Aziz? I because I thought it was a I, flashback, and then I th- 
Was it the same night? It's a different night. They're wearing different things. Uh, I thought it was like later in the night she actually came back. Like Aziz was already in bed and then he wakes up next to her because she came back. It's like, sometime in the future because uh, they say they said it's not a, it's not a dream sequence. Yeah, I didn't think it was a dream sequence, yeah. but I didn't realize like it was time ahead. I thought it was the same night, like the morning after. She didn't leave. She came back to Aziz and you just see her the morning after. Because I was like, I hate where this is going. I hate where this is going. And then it didn't happen and I hated all that. And I was like, you know what? It's over. It's done. That's fine. Yeah. You know, like he's wrapped it up and then suddenly she's in bed. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing was learned. Like, <laughs> ah, get what you want. Get what you want, Aziz. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. But I think the, um, the food, the insights into the food world in this season, I thought were really good. And so yeah. t- totally something that I would love to see explored more. I love the Tinder episode. Yeah, it's really like, good. Like, you know, I can't... At, f- at Four Horsemen. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, all, and actually the um, the ramen place that they eat at um, in that one episode mm. of uh, BFFs, whatever that they recorded, I've eaten there before. Yeah, and cool. my sister took me when I was in Williamsburg with her. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just think like, I think that the, the food element is definitely something that, that, that I would love to see continue to get bigger and bigger in this, yeah. in this, in that series. I heard an interview where Aziz said that people go, oh, I wish that cup co- cupcake show exists. And he's like, it actually does. <laughs> <laughs> There's apparently a cupcake show that's totally like yeah. that. And the white people always win. <laughs> yeah, so, do you know what's depressing about that is how bad the Jabberwockies are now? You know, the dance, the big boy real dance dancers? troupe. Yeah, they won like America's Got Talent and shit. They what? were huge back in that. You didn't know that? I no. thought that was a joke. Yeah, no, they're like, they were... They were, and they used to be really good. Maybe I was just younger, but they were huge. And now they're like, they're so bad. And they like do like NBA halftime shows and shit now. It's like, oh, man, that's hilarious. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. So, what is this Death Castle a real movie as well? (laughs) (laughs) Cedric the Entertainer is real funny as the magician in in the, the cupcake episodes, too. Oh, that was Cedric the Entertainer. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was a great episode, too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, good season. Like uh, there were definitely moments that I um, wish weren't as prevalent in them. Like I kind of like it, it felt like it was it was bookended by the things I hated the most about the season, with like heaps mm-hmm. of great stuff in the middle. Um, but uh, I'm not. I don't regret watching it. That's yeah. for sure. It's really fun. It's really funny as well. I hated that mm. the second last episode was fucking an hour long. I can't remember. <laughs> I watched it so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so any other any other food related comedies that I should try and watch three years after you did? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't really watched much food related stuff lately no there hasn't been much out there's still like the little cheeky half hour things on Netflix that keep popping on like the Japanese things and Samurai Samurai but I haven't been watching them yeah, yeah. Um, I asked my wife shortly after we finished watching Master of None season 2 because um, it's very similar in theme with the um, the other shows that are run by comedians um, or people in the comedy industry that that, um, that do like a, sh- a show with a character that's semi set on them um, so like Louis and Atlanta mm. and Master of None rank them. How do you go? How would you have you seen them? Atlanta? Have you, have you watched I Atlanta? Seen Atlanta? Oh, oh man, watched Atlanta. Atlanta. So by default, it's Master of None at number one. Oh, yeah, have have you watched Louis? Louis? I've watched a bit of Louis, but it's you know I can live yeah I can, I can get away. It's, it's, it's way more like yeah. At, I think for me it's Atlanta, and then then Louis, then Master of None. Yeah, but Master of None's yeah. still a good show. But yeah. yeah, Louis like Master of None is more enjoyable than Louis. But Louis genius, and Atlanta is like the best of both worlds. It's fucking hilarious. 
It's amazing you'd, you'd performance. Love it, man, it's okay. so good. Yeah, you should watch it's it. It was one of the best. It was one of the best, yeah, of the best shows, like if not the best show last year. Best. Right off topic, but who gives a fuck? What's best show you've watched this year so far? I think Master of None would be up there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, Fargo season three was was pretty good. It wasn't that. as good as season two. It was um, very very different. Yeah. I watched Better Call Saul, but it's not amazing. I it's just enjoyable. I've started season two of Preacher, which is really fun. I'm surprised you don't like it. I just I'm, I, I I've watched that the 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 pilot episode. I know you should give more than a than an episode, but it's like, nah, you, yeah, you got to watch that pilot's so fucking bad. You got to watch more. It's a, Season two is really just like good the, so the, the comics, too. which I you know I, I love. Yeah, uh, I don't uh, have a relationship uh, with any, the comics. Uh, are anything but boring, and it was so baffling to me that, that the first episode could be so boring. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah. But Game of Thrones today, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys can talk about that. I don't, I've never watched an episode oh, of Game man. of Thrones. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Well, that is uh, it for the episode. Unless you got some more TV shows you want to shout out. Lee any Chan? emails or anything, Lives? Um, we got an email that just said our podcast was good and others weren't. <laughs> yeah. You can send us an email, themitchinpodcast at gmail.com and uh, you can find us online, facebook.com slash themitchin uh, where you can find episodes online at um, our YouTube page as well. And if there's the anyone you want to hear from or want us to have on, yeah. tell us too. Especially if they're not a dude. <laughs> anytime we have to do less work, <laughs> it's, it's good for us. You can find us on Instagram too at themitchin. Um, we're on the uh, individually at Instacrill and at Levdog and um, Lee Tran Lamb at Lee Tran Lamb is where you can find you can eat a sandwich named after me now what the fuck <laughs> where what <laughs> there's a sandwich named after me why keep that in the, like talk about burying the oh, lead okay um, it's at Saga in Enmore which is Andy Bowdy's cafe yeah, wow. yeah. apparently it's uh, so I would always go there and get the charred broccoli and parmesan focaccia and they kind of have turned that into a sandwich so apparently that's why they named it after me but it was funny i went to eat it It it's really good so it's um fermented chili mayo charred broccoli a cheese that i'm going to mispronounce and it's it's called the lee tran it's called the lee tran the the master of buns (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it was funny so i was eating it and these people i didn't know were sitting around me and they're like that looks really good what is it and i'm like oh it's a sandwich named after me, I just felt really embarrassed. <laughs> so arrogant, so arrogant, That's so good, amazing. <laughs> um, and of course, make sure you check out Lee Tran's podcast, "The Unbearable Lightness of Being Hungry." Uh, who was your most recent guest? Um, Nikki Toe, who's photographed the best picture ever taken of Mitch. But also, I would just you believe it's a photo of Mitch sitting on his phone <laughs> <laughs> in black and white? It's very, very arty. Um, but I just recorded one, like literally an hour ago, with Clayton Wells. So, Montometer. awesome. Yeah, that'll be next. Make sure you go check that out. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you next week. Peace.
with her mind. She feels the same, she'll let you know. Just prepare yourself and be ready to go. And I hope this message stays in your mind. Cause you almost lost a girl who was right on time. Here's one more thing that you got to know. Just cool it down and stay in control. Cool it down. You got to cool it down. Watch out. Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky and Mike If I love the girl who 